like she comes in and you're like who the fuck is she and she's like let's ouija let's talk to dead people let's talk let's to planchette planchette who <laughs> planchette. i still don't i don't know who that is i like i kind of got a grasp to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Ellico Pakin to talk about the horror classic The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Now, this book was chosen for the month of October because it is a spooky book, and though it was a long time coming for this recording because of various scheduling conflicts, we are very excited to talk about this book. Ella chose this because she wanted a good old-fashioned horror story to celebrate the month of October and all that spooky season has in store. What we did not realize is how we would actually feel about reading this book considered to be one of the best ghost stories ever told. And to be completely honest, we were a little disappointed. And we also dive into the Netflix TV series by the same name as well. Without further ado, everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. So let's pull some corks and get reading. We're uh, back, baby! It's been a long road to get here. Uh, it's been uh, about, what, five <laughs> cancel reschedules? <laughs> Normally, I would say that I'm the one, like, we we have our appointments on lock, and this month has not been that. <laughs> to be fair, um, you know, Ella started a new job recently. I got married. Uh, we've been traveling. We've it's been traveling. Been a- I worked, like, two weekends in a row, so that really mm-hmm. took up some space. Like, yeah, it's, it's just been chaos. Tonight was the night, and I... Tonight was the night. I think I appreciate both of us for being here in the various states of chaos that we are both in. <laughs> yes, you will hear Casey cooking dinner in the background. You will hear Ella taking various things out of her pockets as she unpacks from the day. Uh, so welcome. <laughs> so welcome. Jenna did watch me take my bra off not 20 seconds before this recording. Yeah, so it's we're getting there. It's slowly unraveling in the day, and as we unravel from the day, we are going to talk about a book that will probably make our blood pressure go super up. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about the mental unraveling of a fictional character. <laughs> yay! Can't wait. And with that introduction, we are talking about today The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Um, I purely bought this copy of this book. Um, for those listening, you cannot see it, but it's, it's got an orange cover with the Hill House um, a black silhouette on the front with a little eyeball peeking out of the middle. Um, I picked this one because it was the prettiest and the most like Halloween-esque. Um, Classic. Our options. So, and um, fun fact, uh, before we get into our fun facts, Richmond, Virginia takes Halloween very seriously, like very seriously. Um, and so my street, Hanover, has this huge Halloween, like they deck their houses out like they have full-blown scenes wow like hogwarts pirates they have a fairy garden they have like everything wow So that's all happening tomorrow i will uh take videos and post them please 
it's coming at a great time to review this because I'm just get excited for Halloween. I yeah, I'm very ex- intrigued to get into this book because it's not I, it's not what I was expecting. What are you drinking, <laughs> Jenna? I am drinking a open red wine that we had on our. I feel like this has been the theme for my like last three recordings. It's an open red wine that's been on um, our counter. Cool. It's uh, it's very good. We got it from our friends who came over as we carved pumpkins this weekend. So. Aw, fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm not drinking anything because I just got home. But in my <laughs> head, oh, I'm drinking a huge glass of wine or something that takes the edge <laughs> off of the day. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Eleanor is also drinking that um, at some point. There oh, is. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Get get those fun facts out of the way. We got a lot to talk about. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. Alrighty, quick facts. Let's go. Uh, this book was published in 1959. Uh, again, written by Shirley Jackson. It has a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. It was a 1960 finalist for the National Book Award. Hmm. It's considered a gothic novel and also considered to be one of the best ghost stories ever written. You cannot Um, see, but we are both giving side-eye to that. (laughs) Big side-eye. Netflix actually produced a series by the same name, but it's very, very loosely based on the novel. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Uh, Well, Shirley Jackson, um, she composed six novels, two memoirs, and more than 200 short stories in her very short life. She died really young at the age of 48 um, in 1965 due to a heart condition. And her final work, the 1962 novel, We Have Always Lived in the Castle, is a gothic mystery, and that has been described as, like, her masterpiece, her greatest work. Um, But again, this book was kind of thought of as, like, one of the best ghost stories ever written. We have thoughts, um, but... That's Shirley Jackson. Yeah, didn't she, wasn't her thing that she struggled with, like, a lot of depression and, mm-hmm. yeah, she was just kind of an, a wacky introvert. Uh, yes. From what I can gather. Yes. Very, lots of those vibes. <laughs> I mean, should we talk about it? Should we just dip our toe fully into the water? Yes. Why did it take us a hundred and something pages to actually get to the house dude why were we spending so much time on every single character's background and it doesn't even play come into play anytime later on this book is literally 180 pages and so i picked it because i was like it's perfect it'll be a crazy month I want something that'll get to the scares quickly and all that. And I was so excited because I was like, okay, Shirley Jackson, from what I know of her, was like a a wacky, kind of very depressed person. And because of that, had this really interesting insight into horror. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. Why was this book so boring? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So boring. So boring. The characters were like insufferable. Um, Except for the doctor. Like the doctor was, or not, was it a doctor, professor? Whatever he was. He was fine. Um, But he was just kind of like loady doing in the house. And he's like, I just wanted to like see some ghosts. And then like (laughs) invited just rando people. Like, (laughs) 
Like, what? There's like, so many questions. The plot? Oh, oh, we were going to get into the plot. Okay, the plot, oh, yeah. yeah. But but here's the plot. Here. This is all you yeah, need to know. Yeah, take it away. Take it away. There's a random professor who's like, I want to know about ghosts. I'm going to sit in this haunted house and I'm going to write letters to people who could also be interested in learning about ghosts. And then... <laughs> There's Theodora, who's just like, she's silly, and she just, like, wants to know about ghosts, too, because she's just, like, bored. And then there's <laughs> Eleanor, who's just, like, deeply upset with her life and, like, hates herself because she thinks she killed her mom and her sister hates her. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go because I got nothing else left. And then there's Luke, who's just, like, a member of the lineage of the house, Hill House. And mm-hmm. so he's like, well, I'm going to be the representative of the house here. And then there are two people whose names I do not remember who are, like, married, who take care of the house. and The Dudleys. Uh, the Dudleys, thank you. And Mrs. Dudley sets out breakfast when? At 8 a.m. And you better be 8 there. 8 a.m. Because she takes it away at 10. So that's, like, sort of her one character trait is that she sets out breakfast at a specific time. And Mr. Dudley is in one scene and he sort of, like, is there to, like, welcome people to the house very upsettingly. And then um, the only other person that you meet is um, the doctor's wife and she's kind of slay. (laughs) Like, she comes in and you're like, who the fuck is she? And she's like, let's Ouija. Let's talk to dead people. Let's talk to Planchette. Planchette, who I still don't, I don't know who that is. I, like, I kind of got a grasp. No, it's, it's like a verb, I think. Like, you planchette, like, it's like a Ouija board. Oh, okay, that's what it was. I was like, what, is it to planchette? (laughs) Am I talking to planchette? Like, there were so many uses of planchette that I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, she's there for all of, like, 20 pages. There's someone named Arthur, who's, like, her assistant, who's not even a character. Which, like, I'm pretty sure Arthur and the wife are sleeping together, but, like, we're not going to talk about that. Oh, but, like, why would we find out anything interesting about any of the characters? So, like, why would we know that? (laughs) Why would we? Why? Oh, and then I guess we should say ending. Spoiler alert. Basically, Eleanor goes mad. Goes mad. And no one else in the house goes mad, even though they're all experiencing like paranormal stuff yes and so she's like i want to be part of the house and then so and they make her leave and so then she's like well i'm gonna be part of the house crashes her car into a tree dies or maybe not it doesn't really tell you a definite answer she's just that's it and the thing is i'm not mad at that except no i i'm gonna straight up say this now and we'll talk about it in pairings the the adaptation is so much significantly better than the book is that it's it's like wild because there is no justification for anything that happens in this book yes i yeah i think like when it was written and why it was like a really great ghost story according to history i think that it was telling of these paranormal happenings in a way that, like, kind of wasn't being done, where it's, like, the doors are slamming, it's a creepy haunted house, like, um, you kind of have this internal, like, madness because of this paranormal activity and kind of, like, looking at what would that do to a person? Mm Because you have, like, Frankenstein, you have, like, these older, like, scary stories, you have the Grimm uh, brothers, which I feel like are... Why are those not the best scary... Yeah, anyways... I could go on. Neither here nor there. Um, 
<laughs> but you know, like it's it's interesting. Like the whole idea is interesting of like someone being driven mad by a paranormal activity and wanting to almost become a ghost herself, um, and haunt herself. So like, I thought the ending was fascinating. I thought it was interesting. And really, like, from the moment that the wife got there, I was like, oh, maybe I am intrigued. And, like, kind of Eleanor's, like, spiral down. That was fascinating to me. It wasn't, like, a ghost story, though. It was more like a thriller. <laughs> it was yeah. more of, like, her going crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's also just, it's like you said at the beginning of this, the characters are so insufferable from the beginning that then to attach any emotion to where they, how they're affected by the house is very hard. And I, it's like, Theodora in particular is so unmoved by anything and actually kind of manipulative towards Eleanor. Well, okay, I have a, I have a qualm, if I may okay. address. Which may is that, address. this is a book written in third person, yet it seems like it should be written from Eleanor's perspective. Because the thing is, is that if it were written from first-person perspective, and it was Eleanor's perspective, I would be like, oh, well, she's just an unreliable narrator, which is why this stuff doesn't make sense. But because yeah. it's written in third person, you're like, well, okay, surely this should be more reliable narration. Because, like, for example, when Eleanor starts to think that Theodora turns on her, it feels like you should be like, oh, well, we don't actually know if Theodore's turning on her because she's she's going mad. When in reality, it's like, well, if it's third person and someone outside of this is telling the story, then I guess that is what's happening because that's yeah. what we should be taking as truth. It just, it felt like it was, I mean, I, I hate to say this because Shirley Jackson is a person who I really want to like as an author and who is revered, but it just feels really poorly constructed. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like it was, I don't know about you, but while I was reading it, it felt very, like, wh like whiplash between genres, almost. Because yeah. Because it was trying severely to be kind of this, you know, it's trying to be horror, so it has the, the doors slamming, the kids laughing, the, like, weird picnic in the woods at one point. You kind of have, like, the scare of the squirrel. Um, but then you have this almost, like, family drama thriller type genre that you're trying to dip your toe in, where it's, like, you have this girl that's, like, kind of going crazy and trying, and, like, having that obsessive tendency of, like, being obsessed with Theodora and what she's doing. You know, everything is real, according to Eleanor, and kind of, like, play into that and then have the ending be such a twist, but, like... You saw it coming a mile away, and you, like, aren't really scared. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not really scared. And, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that the point of the horror in this book was necessarily to um, be jump scary or, like, it, it, it wasn't Stephen King horror, right? You know, it's not just on the page, and it's, like, really, it, that, that's just not, not what she's writing. She's writing subtextual psychological horror, which is, you know, fine and arguably can be more interesting in the right circumstances. So I just think this was the fault of it not being from the right person. Because again, had it been first person and had we been listening to Eleanor's thoughts more rather than just seeing her react to certain situations, I I would have I would have felt 
better about it. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something that just wasn't clicking for me. Like, even when Eleanor and Luke, you get the sense that they're, fall, you know, that they kind of vibe with each other. There's no gratific- There was no gratification to anything, even the ghosts. And I, I think there's that that was probably part of the point. The point is that, you know, ghosts and real life horror and things that go bump in the night are that. It's it's what you cannot see that scares you more because it's what you make in your head. So I think I get what she was going for because even like Eleanor's relationship with Luke was so much about what she was thinking was going on. So mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from that. But mm-hmm. It's just a shame that something so visceral and something that was written to be about concocting your, concocting images in your mind ends up really not creating that much for you to grasp onto. Yes, that's a really good way of putting it, of like leaving each little vignette almost like unfinished because you have the Luke and her and then you're like, oh, is that going to be a storyline? And then it ends abruptly. And then you have the Theodora and Luke kind of storyline you're like oh are they gonna end up together making Eleanor jealous and then that storyline ends abruptly and then you have like Eleanor maybe going like passing on to the other side and being a ghost herself of like you know banging on doors in the hallway and then it's like no that also and so it was like nothing really carried through for you to pay attention or for you to care long enough to like be engrossed in the story. That's what I felt like. It felt like it just kept taking me in and out and in and out because it kept starting different storylines almost. I don't know if you felt that. No, I definitely, I definitely felt that way. And again, I arguably think that was the point was just nothing made sense and nothing was, nothing was finished. But in order for that to be the point, you really have to have a good foundation. And it's like you were saying before, she spent 100 pages on things outside of Hill House. There was almost no understanding of why Hill House was as terrifying as it was. So it's hard to build a narrative from there. And then on top of it, if you're not establishing true connections with these people, if these people can't trust each other and they're constantly being manipulated and manipulating each other and it it just, it makes it too convoluted, arguably. It's like something has to be grounded in a story for all of it to become messier. But if you start with everything being messy, then you're just spending so much time and energy trying to piecemeal everything together that how can yeah. it how can there be like horror in that? How can there be narrative in that if I, if I can't grasp onto anything? Yeah. I think that's also what got me <laughs> what let me down in a way was like uh, they started talking about the cranes and how he was kind of mad and he made this house that like you can't get out of like the doors physically close in your face every time you try to open them and like that's fascinating and each room was like built at an angle so that like this would happen and it's like creepy and he's weird and he like had this weird backstory and I'm like why didn't we root in that and why didn't we focus more on that and have like these people who are staying there start to uncover more of that story through the ghost encounters that they're coming through. Like, why didn't we have, like, 
that happening and root it in something. Well, the point is, is that, yeah, okay, it's not about the ghost, but she's trying to make it about the ghost. So make up your mind. If you want it to be more about their emotional journey, make it more about their emotional journey. I'm not going to be mad about it. It's just that you keep trying to insert ghosts and trying to be like, ooh, spooky, there's blood, or ooh, spooky, they wrote on the wall, or, you know. So decide. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't half commit to both stories. I would rather fully commit to one story. So, I yeah, I don't know. It just... I mean, honestly, also, I think it makes sense if Charlie Jackson is someone who just wrote from a very visceral place and was sort of, like, chaotic herself, that then she would create a novel that's very chaotic and and a character that's very chaotic. And the thing is, is there is intrigue in Eleanor's character. This is this Mm -hmm. deeply depressed woman who has nowhere to turn to to the point that she has to go to a haunted house and she ends up being the most vulnerable, so she's the one that the house can attach itself to. That's very intriguing. Yet, why was she so dull? <laughs> like, I found myself hating her. I'm, like, sitting there, yeah. and this poor woman is, you know, being eaten alive mentally by, by these creatures, and I'm just like, ugh, God, next scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because she was, well, she was playing so much of the victim in the sense of, like, it, well, it was, like, a counterintuitive thing. She was, like, why is this happening to me? And then it was, like, this is why it's happening to me, because I'm a terrible person. And then, it, and then like, something bad would happen, and then she'd be, like, well, why is this happening to me? And then, like, everybody else is, like, why is this happening to Eleanor? She's so sweet. And then it's, like, oh, this is, and then, so it would be, like, this weird, like, you're like, girlfriend, like, you are so insecure, and that's fine. Like, we love an insecure main character. It leads to a lot of weird things. But, like, but you also can't be, like, so secure in your, like, but I really didn't do anything. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, like, a weird, I don't know. She was guilty for things, but, like, she wasn't guilty for the way that the house was, like, attacking her. It's just hard to know, ultimately, because yeah. I do think that she's written to be so... Like, I keep saying this, but it's true. She is written to be an unreliable character. You never know what she's actually thinking or doing. I mean, she feels kind of like... I don't know. We all know those people who are like, Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Like, oh my god. Like, I can't believe I did that. And then in, <laughs> when they're alone, we'll be like... I actually did that for attention because I like really wanted I really wanted him to like me and I just didn't know what else to do and you're like okay yeah. all right Weird. then uh I don't really want to be friends with you then because it's it's so double crossy and Theodora yeah. had the opposite problem which is that she was just like I'm the best and everyone needs to know that and her internal monologue was also like I slay I am I am the queen I am amazing and so I hated her for the opposite reason so it's just like I don't know. I so I, that wasn't a plus. And then Luke had almost no personality. And then the doctor was just the doctor, and the wife was just mean and wanted to solve the crime, the crimes of the house. Um, and so for a book that was written so much about internal monologue, it actually felt like these characters were pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. Uh, you know, as we can move into, like, kind of the show adaptation, um, because I think both you and I saw the show before this, Mm -hmm. uh, reading this book, and then I also have 
recently been rewatching it with Casey and it I think what the show does so well is build these characters out which again they had a little more freedom to play with like they had a full you know 10 episode <laughs> miniseries to play with but you have these characters these siblings you have these like you get into every single character and every single motivation behind what the spirits or not or none of the spirits that they're seeing and like how they're interacting with the ghosts and why they're interacting with the ghosts and how that affects you as an adult which I feel like played into me reading Eleanor's character a little bit with like more intrigue because I'm like if she was brought in because of her previous poltergeist interactions um as a kid like she's probably gonna be a little fucked up because like she's been playing with ghosts all her life (laughs) and then you have that you see that in the show with Nell's character and with Luke's character and you see it kind of go two different ways um it's just fascinating I think like what the show did was they really dove into these characters and like what would actually happen if, like, there were kids in a haunted house, and, like, how would that play out? And I think that that was, like, what Shirley Jackson was trying to do with Eleanor's character. Like, what would happen if you were, like, playing with ghosts as a kid and brought into this, like, haunted house as an adult? And, like, how would the ghosts interact with you? And how would that, like, affect your brain if you've already kind of opened yourself up to this possibility of, like, talking with a ghost? And then as you grow into an adult what would that happen like what would happen if you were put into a situation where that was at the forefront of your brain at all times yeah that's actually a really interesting point that I didn't think about before is I do think that in most horror situations whether it be a movie or a book we're all coming from the perspective of like you know you don't really think about the long-term effects you sort of just think about what's happening to that person in the moment And, yeah, I think that, you know, whether or not you believe in ghosts, if someone believes that they've been having, which I do, but hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just one of those, but (laughs) whether or not you believe they exist, if someone has had an experience that is abnormal in any fashion, that person is going to be a little bit off, because you've experienced something that nobody else has and A, you're dealing with a lot of people who don't believe you and B, you're dealing with just then the fucked upness of having to deal with that, bottle that in all your life. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think that you probably would end up being like Eleanor and probably being a shell. But also Eleanor kind of has that twisted element to her, which is like, I'm a shell of a human, I'm insecure, but at the same time, I know I've experienced things that other people haven't, and so I do feel special. And it's like this really weird kind of, like somehow selfish, but also super hyper aware of hurting others. And so, yeah, it's just, it's it's an interesting dichotomy to play with. And I think had the other characters maybe had some more gravity to them, it would have been even, excuse me, it would have been even more interesting to play with that because you would have been bouncing off of so many complicated figures, which the show does very well, as opposed to just this one complicated figure sort of affecting a bunch of seemingly normal people. I mean, I guess as normal as they could be given the fact that they also went to a haunted house. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like if they would have played into more kind of like what the show does, and you have you have the variety of characters. So if they would have played more into like Theodora's like ghosts don't really exist. I like whatever. I'm just here to have a good time, and if you had someone else kind of, like, seeing these ghosts, if you had Luke maybe, like, starting to experience things that Eleanor is experiencing, and then if you have the Doctor kind of playing the role of, like, the older brother in the TV show, Stephen, like, as he doesn't, he hasn't and doesn't see the, like, ghost experiences, but wants to, and, like, wants to be a part of it, but hasn't had that experience himself, and is just trying to, like, lead others, even though he hasn't actually seen it himself. I just think it's, like, if she would have played more into, like, those characters with the book, and having, instead of having everybody against Eleanor, and, I mean, that was maybe how it was written, and how it was supposed to be written, and, you know, having Eleanor think that, but, like, it just led to you didn't really care about the other four characters or whatever because they were all on the same side almost. And you kind of want that weird variety. You want one other guy to, like, just go a little batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's it, that's it right there. And, of course, it's unfair because the, the TV show has been made, so there's inherently something to compare to. So I am doing my best to not. But I do think that... It's like you're saying, it's never fun to watch so, to watch an us versus them story if there's no redemption arc. Mm-hmm. And here she just becomes so much more internal and depraved that you just end up feeling like you're watching someone get bullied almost. Like there's no... Yeah. What what would the justification for watching that even be? Like, it's just, it's just, it's sick and twisted. And I guess, again, I think that's part of the visceral experience of the story that Shirley Jackson probably wanted you to have was like, yeah, why are you into this, you sicko? Like, why are you reading this book? Like, why would you want to read about other people's tragedies? This is, this, you know, this is a weird outlet for you. Um so it, 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 in a way, forces you to reflect on yourself and go, like, what, what am I getting out of this? What is the gratification yeah. here? But I think one thing that the show does very well is take Nell, who's Eleanor, and root her. She's a very hard character to watch, and she's a very hard character to read, but... She's playing off of so much more in the show. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just found it disappointing. It's like, I didn't need it. You know, I, I read this book, yes, with the intention of it being more of a, like, basic spooky story. And I was a little bit bummed that that, 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 that <laughs> didn't happen. But once I realized it was more emotionally based, I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'm I'm very down to watch this person go mad. I'm very down to watch this downfall. And then I didn't even get that. And I sort of ended it being like, okay, so, okay, she, you know, wants to stay with the house? Like, whatever. Like, it just, yeah. it didn't, there was, there was no there there. Like, it just didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. It very much, like you said before, left me feeling, like, very unfulfilled of I didn't get a spooky story, and I also didn't get, like, any 
closure with any of the characters. I mean, like, Eleanor's arc was fascinating, and I think the ending was interesting, but it didn't, again, have that big of an impact because of how the rest of the book was written. Yeah. And I feel like it could have had such, like, a gnarly impact. Yeah. But it just fell so flat because you spent the first hundred pages being like, and this person's backstory is, like, she's the third daughter of this man, and then, uh, you know, it's just, like, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just want them all in the house, and then I want, like, drama to start, and that's what that's what I'm looking for. And we just didn't get it. Yeah. Should we do final ratings? Let's do final ratings, as we're kind of doing it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, why don't you go first? Okay, so I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. I just said, I think this is a book that I need to go back and listen to again, because I feel like I didn't quite catch it all as well like I think like there were parts of it that I like didn't quite get because it was um bouncing around so much so I almost feel like I would want to go back and like try to read it again I don't really want to but like I feel like that would be a way that I could like almost capture more of what it was Mm -hmm. trying to do um without getting it lost in the story because I think I was comparing it too much to the tv show as well Mm -hmm. as I was reading it because I was waiting for like plot lines to happen and I'm like oh no this is not even the same um and yeah I just think I got hung up on all the characters backstories and just trying to figure out what the like what the motivation behind everyone was that I didn't really like get fully immersed in the plot um so everyone was like a little bit unrelatable the ending was my favorite part as soon as the doctor's wife came in I thought it got like a little you know chaotic and that was fun but other than that it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. I will probably go ahead and give it a... I mean, I, you know what? Because we've determined that on this show a one is you wrote a book, I'm not going to give it a one because it was certainly better than that. I would say probably a two and a half as well. I think that Shirley Jackson is definitely an intriguing writer. I think that she has very unique... I loved the vocabulary that she used in her descriptions. Mm. I thought that she had a really unique way of setting a scene. That being said, I think how she writes dialogue is heinous. I hated almost every conversational exchange. Mm -hmm. Jenna's cracking up because that's 100% true. Um, All so awkward and so, like, stilted and like you're like nobody talks like that yeah even in the in the 60s nobody talks like that no one talks (laughs) like that it was just like oh i hate all these puns why are there so many puns um yeah i i think that there is a good core to this story and i do think that eleanor is an interesting character and like you said i think it is a fascinating breakdown to choose to to see how someone would react to wanting to be a ghost themselves while they're still alive and and the push and pull between the, the liminality of death and life and how someone who has seen a lot and maybe is not totally mentally stable can slip so easily mm-hmm. um that being said i think that 
it just there was a lot that didn't work I don't think that any of the other characters worked as well as Eleanor I think that it was a mistake to choose third person narration and try to explain everybody at the same time I think it would have been better to just focus on Eleanor Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't get a lot out of describing everybody's backstory prior to the house I don't think that it was totally necessary to spend so much time on it And I think that ultimately it just, if the point was to make things unstable and unclear, I get it. But I don't think that it was successful in, I mean, I, you know, we've talked about this before. I love a unclear narrative. Uh, You know, that that's something that I don't mind at all. In fact, I prefer, but it's hard to get right. And this one just didn't get it quite right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we all know Ella loves just a ridiculous plot line. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love plot lines that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into pairings because we've been pre- dancing <laughs> pre- around. Preluding. Them. Yeah. Uh, pairings for the entire episode. So, TV shows, books, uh, movies, and cocktails, slash drinks, slash wine that might pair well, to- pair well with today's book. Let's do. Uh, let's to save TV show for last. Let's just get the others great. out of the way. Let's get the others out of the way. So drink. I just had a big old glass of whiskey because I felt like they just kept passing whiskey um, and scotch back and forth throughout this whole book. Ooh, that's an that's actually a good idea. Uh, I think that I w- I was thinking a Manhattan because I feel Ooh. like you know it's like that kind of like so like kind of like gross good taste. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, it's the darkness, the deep cherry red, and it just felt very reminiscent of the blood and the mystery of this book. So, yeah, that I, I'm going with a Manhattan. Mm, that's a good one. That was our signature drink. So Oh, there wedding. you go. Mm-hmm. I, it's like uh, I knew. <laughs> it's like you knew. Um, all right. So book... I did um, scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm. Um, I was like, this reminds, I mean, like I got excited about it, like how I would get excited about scary stories to tell in the dark. I was always like so nervous about them, but I would always like still read them and like retell them. And I just remember my friend's birthday was always on October 28th. And so we would always have Halloween themed parties. And so this would always be part of it would be like pulling out the scary stories to tell in the dark and reading like the the women the woman with the scarf on around her neck and like all those stories so yeah that's a really fun one um I'm going classic too I'm going the shining I mean what better book is there about somebody going crazy due to ghosts like that's the freaking prototype dude so yeah that's a really good one. Thank you. I actually, we just, we went to go see the movie in theaters a couple of weeks ago. And I, it, it's like every time I walk out of that movie or every time I reread that book, I'm like, oh, right. It's literally one of the best stories ever created. I forgot that. Great book. And yeah, I think that that's honestly the best case ever of someone who is driven mad by a house or a hotel in this case, but driven mad by a building and ghosts within it really good so movie um i one that you just when you were saying that one that just came to mind so this is off the cuff here we go real time uh monster house oh my god classic (laughs) 
I remember I would always get scared of that. That movie, I got scared of that movie when I was little, and I kept thinking the house across the street was gonna like come alive, dude. <laughs> so, uh, scarred me for life. Um, the the real one that I had was it, uh, mm. because I think it is an interesting, uh, you know, film where you have a entity that takes the form of whatever you're most scared of. So I feel like. In this book, Eleanor, her fears kind of like took shape in this, in the hauntings and kind of took shape in her head. And so I felt like that was a very similar vibe. And you see how like the kid versus adult thing of like trauma as children creates really weird adults. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Ghost trauma. Ghost trauma leads to more ghost trauma. Yep. Uh, yeah, movie-wise, I'm going to recommend Shirley, which is a very loose biopic of Shirley Jackson that came out, I think, 2021, maybe 2022. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss as Shirley Jackson, and it's not a spot-on biopic by any means. It's uh, kind of this fictionalized account of her with this particular woman, but it really captures the oddness of Shirley Jackson and made me very interested and want to learn more about Shirley Jackson, which is what I ended up doing. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good kind of starting point if you want to learn more about who she was as a woman and how that affected her writing and just her overall perspective on life. Hmm. That's interesting. I kind of want to go watch that now. Yeah. Hmm. Um, great. Well, save the best for last TV show. Oh, The Haunting of Hill House, the television show, the program. <sighs> yep, Haunting of Hill House. Um, I did the same thing, gotta... by the way. I rewatched it before while, while reading this because I was like, it's so good. I want an excuse to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's I'm, – I'm scared of it, so I – it takes like a lot of build up for me to like, mm. watch it. But Oh, we should really say spoiler alert here because if you have oh, not yeah. seen this show, Sorry. do not listen to the rest of this show. So we yeah. love you. We'll see you next week. Yep. Uh so Broken Neck Lady, Casey was like, that was probably one of the best arcs of like a character in like T V history. To have that be Nell <laughs> and have it like the moment of her getting pushed off the top of the thing mm, by her dead mother no. and then it's like it just keeps dropping her into the scenes and you're just like oh my god yeah <laughs> like, i it's so because like the thing is about that show and honestly yeah chef's kiss jenna just did a chef's kiss like the thing yeah. is about that show is and honestly like i had this issue the first time i watched it and the second time is i also think this show spends way too much time on everybody i do not need an episode for each character it is too freaking long that being said nell's arc is unbelievable and when you get to realize that you're seeing her from multiple perspectives and then you finally get the episode from her perspective and all Mm -hmm. of it makes sense and then she's the bent neck lady which like is just so harrowing that she's haunted by herself it's so sad it's so sad and terrifying and it's one of the scariest things you've ever seen because it comes from a place of just total sadness which is not easy to achieve yeah well and then you have 
for anyone who has experienced like sleep paralysis and like them mm. kind of diving into that you're like oh because like sleep paralysis is the fucking worst yeah and like i remember one night i had it real bad it was here and i could have sworn like a male voice was whispering in my ear oh my god and then as I started to like regain consciousness Casey was sleep talking and so then oh my was, god and I like I could not sleep for like the next three nights after that because I was like that was terrifying because like I start to snap out of it and then I can still hear the voice and was, oh my god so like of course watching that you're like oh <laughs> I mean also from a technical standpoint I just think making them siblings and particularly making Luke and Nell twins instead of like romantic is Mm -hmm. really intelligent and I also think that adding more characters and more sides of paranormal response is really smart like I just think it's very well done and I I think Mm -hmm. that having the parents be the reason for the house and having the mom be the one who's so affected. It just is is way more cohesive generally. Yes. And it, yeah. everything just feels like it has more substance to it. So from that po- perspective alone, I, I, I just care more about everybody involved. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just – there's so much more – like let's even just take Theodora like – there's so much more reason behind all of her actions. You know, that mm-hmm. that that cockiness doesn't just come out of nowhere and it and it seems there's so much more reason behind it. Uh, yeah. I will say, like, I know you said that they spend too much time on the characters. I agree. But I do think that Theodora's episode was also, like, needed and also, like fucking like sketchy <laughs> yeah i mean to be like, honest the three characters that are in the book are the three episodes that are the best luke yes, nell and luke Theo. Is too, yeah. yeah oh god poor little luke is like the sweetest little guy ever he's like not a very good actor but it's so freaking good <laughs> i know and also oh the other huge part of the the show that is so much better is the addition of the red room because oh. having there be a narrative focal point for everybody is yes. so much easier for, like, you You just, again, everything is so haphazard in the book where it's like everybody's having such different experiences, but if they're all having an experience surrounding one space, it just snaps you into focus so much easier. Mm. You're so right, yeah. Oh, that show. Everyone, please go watch it. Yeah, honestly, so good. go watch it. Well, until next time. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. That's at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. This episode is a JB Media production produced and edited by Jenna Weston. Mm